Hey, beautiful, multidimensional, bright, shining, heart-centered soul fam. Welcome to today's Ceremony Circle podcast journey. For anyone new to the show, I am your host, shaman, and author of the best-selling book, Animal Power, Allison Charles. And I want to let you know that we are now entering into the closing episodes that close out an epic season two of Ceremony Circle. I want to thank each and every one of you for saying yes to your own expansion and sitting by the fire with us for every episode. Your presence and magic are felt, and it's precisely in that space of leaning into our own evolution and inner work that we can be of greatest service for this planet and all of the worlds beyond. So thank you for being with me for two potent seasons of Ceremony Circle. And in these last few episodes of season two, I decided to bring unique medicine ways in. You'll either be entering into a space now where you'll actually hear me being interviewed on other amazing podcasts, or you'll be graced with a weekly divination card reading episode from my Animal Power card deck, which is officially released August 16th. I am so proud of it, so excited for you to experience it. And if you already have my best-selling Animal Power book, know that this Animal Power deck is the perfect companion for it. I actually designed it that way, so I cannot wait to hear about the magic that happens for you when you work with both of them together. All right, well, it is good to switch things up every now and again. So with all my heart, I hope you enjoy this momentary change of pace for these last few episodes of season two so that we can all gather together and bring in some new energies into the Ceremony Circle space starting in September when we'll be back with our fiery season three. It's gonna be our best yet. So until then, you're now entering into another dimension. So kick back, enjoy today's episode, and I'll see you on the other side. In episode 463 with shaman Alison Charles, we talk about how she became a shaman, what soul retrieval sessions are in a child healing, ignoring your intuition, how to call in your soulmate. We talk about power animals and so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this episode because we have a real-life shaman on the episode today. We've had Shaman Durek on the show And now we have another shaman, Shaman Alison Charles with us. And she is such a beautiful soul, the real deal. And for those of you that have never heard of Alison, she is a revered shaman, best-selling author and spiritual teacher. She is devoted to being of service by living by the calls of inner wisdom, mysticism, energy medicine and shamanic practices that she has mastered through her studies with spiritual teachers both in and beyond this world. She is the host of the Ceremony Circle podcast and the best-selling author of Animal Power. 
Alison's power animal shamanic journey was named a top meditation to try by O. And by Oprah Magazine, she has been called a leading shaman for expanding others into their full gifts and power. For everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 463. Now let's dive in. Beautiful, Alison. I am so excited to have you here today. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Oh, interesting. Oh, this is such a fun start. I had a lemon chia seed pancake with some blueberry coconut cream that I dipped it in. What? It was quite delightful. And I had some raspberries and I'm still all these hours later drinking the same gross matcha. I should not even admit that, but this (laughs) is the matcha from this morning. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I am coming over. That sounds absolutely delicious. And I am so excited to have you here. I absolutely love you and your work and know Luke very well, your beautiful husband now, which is so exciting. And you have your debut book out, which is really exciting, honey. I'm really excited to dive into it with you today. But before we do, can you tell us about your journey? How did you get here and how did you become a shaman? Oh my goodness. Okay. I always try my best to just tune in to see what pieces of the story want to be shared because to try to convey the whole trajectory, I'm sure you could guess could take us months. But in essence, ever since I was a little girl, I always felt an innate curiosity and connection with metaphysics and the world of spirituality. I remember even as I was very small um, and starting to read a bunch of books, I never was getting fiction books. I was always reading like how to learn how to read palms or the healing power of colors or the healing power of numerology. I was always having this insatiable quest into those categories. So that was always activated in me. But what was happening simultaneously is my dad, who I love very much, but he got me started as a very intense elite distance runner at a very young age. So before I was even three, I was running in my first road race. I know, jaw on the floor, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Was that because he was an athlete himself? He was at that point. So the dad that I knew was very fit. My family owned fitness centers. So I grew up having the gym as my second home. However, when I got older, I found pictures of him pre-Allison being born He was like floating in the lake that we used to live on in a raft with like, I think he had a beer can in one hand and a cigarette in another. And I was like, who is that man? You know, I I never knew that dad. So he came from, you know, a background that maybe wasn't so physically fit and healthy. But before I was born, he decided to really, you know, change his lifestyle, change his habits. And he got really into distance running. And so that carried over to me and um, he was my coach for many years. And like I said, it was at a very intense elite level. I did win a couple of national championships and I was a scholarship athlete at the University of Alabama. And there were all of these really beautiful things that came of it. However, 
there was some wounding and some traumas that took me many years to transcend and heal and overcome from that type of upbringing as well. And the piece of it that I'll share with you, because it connects in my trajectory to landing as a shaman, was as a very young girl, I was essentially allowing someone outside of me, primarily a male outside of me, to tell my body what to do. And that kind of dynamic ended up transferring over. Once I got to college, I met a boyfriend who I was with for nearly two decades, who was also an athlete. And he ended up being the instrument for my awakening. So he plays a pivotal role in this whole long trajectory. And what ended up happening there which I didn't know at the time because this relationship was filled with a ton of denial, a ton of suffering, a ton of pain, a lot of illusion, which is why it required me to have a divine intervention to eventually wake up. But once I did have that divine intervention, some of the truths that I saw about the dynamics of that relationship was that I was finally seeing the truth that he was struggling with sex addiction. And it took me a long time to sift through and walk through all of those waters because they felt really dark and scary to me for a very long time. But one of the huge dots that I connected in my healing journey was, wow, you know, that dynamic that I had with my dad, it pivoted and took a different shape, color, and form. But then with my ex, I was essentially, you know, allowing my body, my physical vessel to be utilized in a way and by someone, you know, other than myself dictating that. And so that relationship, uh, there is a story of my awakening that happened one moment in time, the veil lifted and, and there's a whole story around that, which if you want me to share details, I can. Yes. Okay. Please, please tell me, tell me about that. How old were you? Where were you? Tell me everything. Okay. Got it. I don't remember my exact age. It was a number of years ago, probably more than a decade ago, but I can't recall exact age. And I was living in Brooklyn in New York City at the time. I lived there for many years, about 15 in total. And where I'm at at this juncture is my ex and I had been together for about 16 years. And we had gotten engaged, we had become unengaged, and I had left our place in Connecticut and moved on my own with my cat to Brooklyn. Now, where things started to get muddied again, and anyone who's been in a codependent relationship and in a relationship that has some cycles of abuse, dysfunction, insanity, whatever we want to call it, then, you know, that person who's been in similar situations knows it's just this dynamic that tends to keep you pulled in despite where you come from and how smart and capable you are. And I was really struggling to get out of that dynamic. So even though I had left Connecticut and we had called off the engagement at this point, he was coming back around and he did seem and sounded different than ever before, but I wasn't jumping fully back into things. We were slowly determining if we were going to give it, you know, another shot. And on this particular day, we were about to leave my place and venture out publicly together again for the first time in a very long time. And 
all of my guides, all of my support in the unseen realms on this day had finally, you know, blown the whistle. And they were like, we have to stop this from happening. And as I went out to the living room to tell him just a couple minutes and we can leave, I noticed he was asleep on the couch. I didn't want to wake him up. So I walked back through my bedroom. And at that point, that's when my clairaudient gift, my ability to hear spirit speaking to me, turned on. And I heard a voice say to me, stop and turn around. And I did stop and I did turn around and my eyes landed directly on my ex's phone that was on my bookshelf. And I could feel, you know, I could feel the energetics in the room starting to shift. I could feel something brewing, something big happening. And I walked over to the phone And as I stood there, the same voice spoke to me and said, brace yourself. What you're about to see is going to rock your world. And the next piece in all of this is also very unique because I didn't know my ex's code to enter into his phone. I think I was always too scared to go in there and look and explore because I think on some level this whole time I knew what was going on and I was too frightened and too in denial to really face it. Uh, But like automatic spirit writing, which I'm guessing you're probably somewhat familiar with, as I reached for his phone, spirit moved through me. I don't remember the numbers to this day, but I popped four numbers in and his phone opened. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. And, And yes, so the energies were building. And as I went into his phone, I will just say that for me in this lifetime, this was truly my first shamanic cave initiatory moment. And I always reference that Joseph Campbell quote, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And this phone was really representative of that cave because for me, uh, just based upon things from past lives and this lifetime too, betrayal was my greatest fear. And the horrific graphic proof of betrayal in many forms that I was now finding very quickly in his phone was the precise medicine that I needed in that moment to finally shake me out of denial, get my egoic shell to release and to lift the veil that I had had pulled so tightly over my intuition, over my third eye. And all of those things that I just described happened at once. And so energetically in a one moment in time, my entire reality changed and life as I knew it got turned upside down. I, through seeing this graphic proof, was starting to see the truth about myself, the truth about him, the relationship, earth, you know, whittling the story down. I finally, you know, I asked him first to tell me why and how, you know, we had known each other for so long and my brain just couldn't compute how someone could do this to someone who was so close to them for so long. And he really struggled to have an answer. And I asked him to leave and to never come back. And at that point, I flew to Indiana in a small town where I'm from. And I stayed at my grandmother's house in the back bedroom. And that was really um, a big portal for me because as I stayed in that room for the next few weeks, I had many additional awakenings and spirit was also taking me back through my entire life, but replaying experiences without the denial and illusion that I had previously been experiencing those times in. And I was seeing it in light and in truth. So that was facilitating more and more realizations 
rude awakenings. And that led me to my surrender moment. And I'll kind of take a breath, but it was after I spoke my surrender statement to my own soul, to great spirit and great mother earth, essentially saying, okay, I clearly need help and I'm ready to get out of my own way. And I'm ready to work with you and showing me the way forward and, and receiving in your guidance and support through me speaking that. And then having, you know, the bravery and the courage to heed the message that can that you know, started to come in, it was through that shifting dynamic that my entire life path changed course because I started to get in relationship with the unseen realms and with all of the spiritual support. And I started to listen to what they were telling me to do. And it was in my listening that I began to realize who I really am, what my calling is, and how I'm supposed to be of service. So I know that's a, you know, a long winding road, but it spans, you know, 30 plus years. So it's tough to whittle it down sometimes. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. So when you were in your grandma's back room, what were some of the things that you were doing? You know, like you were faced with your life flipped upside down. And I can imagine that that was incredibly challenging for you, you know, facing all of these truths. Did you just go, okay, this is, this is what's happened and I'm ready to move forward? How did you move through that really dark and challenging time? What were some of the tools? What did you do? Like, can you talk us through a little bit of your process? Because I know so many people either have experienced that dark night of the soul moment, or they may be experiencing it right now, or in the future, we may have someone that we love go through one of those experiences and we might be able to get some tips from you on how we can support them. But what are some of the things that you did during that huge awakening and transformation that really supported you? Yeah, it was. I mean, even as I'm listening to you ask me that question, I'm I'm going back to that room. And I want to be honest and I, I love to be as transparent and as I possibly can in all of my interviews. And during that time in that back bedroom, it some things were shifting pretty instantaneously. However, on an emotional level, I was experiencing an immense amounts of rage, total anguish. I mean, I had never known heartbreak and betrayal on that type of level before. I felt incredibly lost and confused. And what was also happening was I was for the first time in nearly 20 years coming face to face, finally, truly examining and really feeling the dynamics that come with a codependent relationship. And to be honest, most if not all of those dynamics are pretty tumultuous and pretty dark. And so it was a really frightening time, but I did give myself permission and space. And I also want to honor my grandma who has since transitioned over and passed away. But, you know, thank goodness I had that safe space to go to, you know, I, I was able to go to a family member's home and I was able to have the time and space to healthily, properly sit with and process and give freedom to all of the emotions that 
I had been stifling and denying space to finally come to light. And before I sat down with you to start this interview, this phrase just kept coming in and it's coming in the whole time I'm talking to you. And it's the phrase is only two words, but it's really representative of shamanism as a whole. And it's representative of how I have worked this path as a whole. And the two words are in relation. And what I allowed then and continue to allow in all the initiations and life experiences that come my way is I don't push away anything anymore. I don't resist, deny. I allow everything that is attempting to inform, guide, teach, instruct, be a part of my experience. I allow it to all be presented and I get in right relation with it all. And so, you know, for anyone that's maybe experiencing this ultimate topsy-turvy life turned upside down time, to the best of your ability, you know, give yourself the proper time and space and also that safe, trusted space, whether it's with a family member, a friend, or maybe it's primarily by yourself and being able to reach out to someone when needed, a support system when needed, but inviting in all of the emotions, not labeling any of them as embarrassed to feel rage or shameful to feel rage or, you know, not cutting anything off, inviting it all in to get healthily integrated and speaking to it all, giving it all permission to be felt. So that was the huge first step that was revealing when you were asking the question. And then, you know, the second big step, which I already expressed a bit about is that surrender piece. And truly it's a huge one because had I not done that, I don't, think my life would look the way that it does now because I, you know, in those darkest, most trying moments, those come to Jesus moments, that's when we finally realize and get humbled enough to get out of our own way. And so, you know, in whatever way feels right to the soul family listening, whether it's saying internally or speaking it out loud and speaking to whoever you speak to, for me, it's my soul, it's great mother earth and great spirit. That's my primary vertical line of devotion and the way that I move through life. So I spoke to those three places and said, I'm ready to receive and heed your support. And when you then communicate that, your conscious awareness field opens up. And you start to get into a co-creative dance and a co-creative space with the unseen realms that have most likely been trying to help you the whole time. But those of us that know what denial and illusion and having the blinders on is like, you are not letting yourself be in that co-creative dance. So I would speak a surrender statement and then where responsibility, that was the third piece that I'll speak to in this little pocket of our conversation, taking radical responsibility. So it was easy for me during the 16 and a half years with my ex to look outside of myself and focus on him and focus on all of his issues, focus on his addictions, focus on all that he needed to do to be a better person. Well, in looking at him the whole time, I was escaping all of the inner work and processes that I needed to do. So I really started to examine, okay, you know, 
I was also in this relationship for 16 and a half years. What do I need to examine? Where do I need to heal? What was going on within me that I allowed myself to be in an abusive, dysfunctional relationship for this long? You know, and it was a powerful moment for me because, you know, here I am, you know, former national champion athlete. I was a top rated radio host. I was a national daytime television talk show host. I worked in television production. You know, on paper, I looked to be incredibly together, successful, all of this external validation. And the phrase that I always share is winning but lost. So on the outside, I was winning in all of these categories, but I was lost on the inside. And so when I realized how low my personal self-worth must have been to allow myself to stay in that dance, that was one piece that I really had to, to look at along the way. And there's, there's so many other tips, but giving yourself permission to feel all that needs to healthily be felt, being attuned to when okay, I have felt that peace enough. If I stay in this peace any longer, it's going to turn unhealthy, like having that navigation with emotional healing, speaking surrender and taking radical responsibility. Stop looking outside of yourself and blaming and start going inward and being like, wow, what role did I play in this? Wow, babe. These are all such amazing keys and nuggets. And thank you for sharing them. Hey fam, I hope you're enjoying today's episode. And here's a quick note. I wanted to let you know that I will be speaking alongside my husband, Luke's story at the Modern Nirvana Summit on September 23rd here in Austin, Texas. Luke and I will be sharing about sacred unions and relationship tips with our talk, Higher Power Couple, Ecstatic Bliss, and Earthly Realness. Other speakers who will also be at the Modern Nirvana Summit, of course, all three of the Modern Nirvana co-founders, actress Kat Graham, Emmy Award-winning journalist and healer Frank Elleridi, and breathwork master Ikar Wood. Also there, Guru Dev Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, Dave Asprey, DJ Shivarasa, and side note, Shivarasa, Frank, and Kat have all been guests here on Ceremony Circle Podcast, so be sure to find their episodes if you want to get to know them more. And tickets to the Modern Nirvana Summit, they are available at modernnirvana.com. And we are going to hook you up with a Soul Fam discount. So be sure to use the code Luke Allison. That's all one word, taking both Luke's name and my name and putting it together. That's code Luke Allison, L-U-K-E. A-L-Y-S-O-N. I spell my name a little unique. So Luke Allison, put that in at checkout and you will receive 15% off your tickets. I cannot wait to see some of you in person soon. Back to the episode. So talk to me about how the role of a shaman unfolded from there. Like, is this something that you have to do training to become a shaman. Who gives you that title? Where do you go? Where's shaman school? You know, can you share a little bit about that with us? 
I love how you asked that question. Um, no one's asked it in quite that way. So thank you. Yeah. And all good aspects to that one big question too. So, okay. Going to unpack this piece by piece. So shamanism is an incredibly deep soul calling. And for me, I like to speak to my personal shamanic path and how it works for me. I am very clear that when I incarnated, before I incarnated, actually, I was up there, you know, with my fellow ascended masters and guides and devising a lot of the aspects of my earth walk this round and my calling to at some point hopefully wake up to the truth of who I am and and the work that I'm supposed to be here and how I'm supposed to be of service as a shaman was already encoded within me. And then I incarnate out, but I incarnate with a lot of amnesia. And then you add on, you know, some childhood wounding and trauma and all the other things. And also holding my own self back, that's a recipe for not being in alignment with my true soul's calling. So After my awakening, it was not instantaneous, this realization of my truth as a shaman. I just set out on a quest to heal myself. And I think that's a really important piece to share. I never set out to become or be a shaman. After I woke up, I thought, oh my Lord, I'm not who I thought I was. I have a lot of healing work to do. And that was my request of the unseen realms and of the support is show me the way in healing myself. And in my devotion to healing myself, layer by layer, piece by piece, and and walking in that devotion, that's where on a mind, body, spirit, soul level, step by step, I got in more and more readiness to have the true calling inside of me have more breath start to activate more because I was healing more. I was taking more responsibility and doing all those first imperative steps. And so, you know, along that way, uh, the two first healers that I was instructed to go to happened to be shamans. But again, one was an MD turned shaman named Sarah Bamford Seidelman, who I always love, love to give credit and honor to. She's a wonderful woman. I'm still friends with her to this day. I've had her on my Ceremony Circle podcast. She's amazing. And I was also instructed to have a soul retrieval session with my aunt, who is a shaman. And it was in that soul retrieval session that actually the power animal guides began to come in. So I'm just going to like plant that seed there. Very quickly after my awakening, the power animals came in to support me on my path, but I was healing myself and working life, working the earth walk this way for a number of years before the true shamanic calling began to really lift up and activate. And how the activation first started for me was through clairvoyance and through visions and through downloads. And so Spirit began to show me. I would get these incredibly clear visions of me on a stage in front of a ton of people with healing instruments, with shamanic drums and rattles and channeling sacred songs and helping people reconnect and remember to the ancient wisdom that's inside of all of us. And so this is an important piece. You know, I'm being shown this vision Yet I'm still living in New York City, still trying to heal myself. 
And there was a big gap in between where I was and this vision that I'm being shown and this guidance that I'm being instructed to step into. And so anytime you're in this, and, and I would guess there's a lot of, you know, the people listening that can relate to something like this. You know, you're in a current state and you're being shown a zone far from you where you need to get to. And that gap in space in between can oftentimes feel incredibly overwhelming. And that's where it requires you to unlock and unearth abilities inside of you that have previously laid dormant. It requires you to learn how to trust yourself on a very deep level. It requires you to unlock courage far beyond what you ever knew you would need to tap into. And that was definitely the case for me. And the last little bit that I'll share, because I know a lot of these answers involve a lot of nuances and aspects, and they're a bit long-winded answers, but I will just say that the beginning of my shamanic path, once I started to see who I really am and, and what spirit was asking of me, it was very, very humbling. I remember I started to be shown that I needed to put myself out there and I didn't really know how or what that meant, but I contacted my friend named Paz who ran a vegan expo in Manhattan. And I just said to Paz, Paz, I'm being asked to step forward and I need to, to answer this call. Can I have a table at your vegan expo? And he said, well, sure. What are you going to have at the vegan expo? And I'm like, I don't know, but I need to be there. And I set up a table. I printed out my headshot and I sat my headshot on the table. And I think it said next level living with Allison Charles. I had some crystals and some, some shamanic tools and I was giving people mini aura clearings and mini chakra readings. And I just had to very, very vulnerably and courageously and humbly put myself out there. And it was through a lot of, you know, trial and error and determining, okay, this way of healing is more efficient or of better service. And it was a lot of that. And the other last important piece that I do feel called to share. So every shaman's path is different and that's by divine design and it's purposeful. But the way my shamanic path worked is the, my name, my medicine name that was given to me, Rock Star Shaman, represents my connection points, Rock, Great Mother Earth, and Star, Great Spirit. And so those are my two main connection points. Those are the two main places I receive instructions from. That's where I live in devotion to, heeding the calls of those two places, and of course, my own soul. And so my primary way of receiving instructions and being told how to maneuver through this path is through Great Mother Earth and Great Spirit. It wasn't until many years deep on my shamanic path where I was finally instructed and being called to sit with uh, elders and facilitators from different earth-based lineages and traditions from around the world, um, whether that be Sri Lankan, from Bali, from South America, Native American traditions. I've had the good fortune and honor of being able to sit in sacred ceremonies and, and sacred rituals with a lot of elders from a lot of different tra traditions and receive some of those healing rites, receive a lot of those transmissions, receive permission to carry certain ways and songs forward when given permission to. I have done that. Those are two aspects of the shamanic path. There's, there's a lot of confusion around and a lot of misconceptions around because at the heart of shamanism, 
we're walking with the foot in both worlds. We're here. We're honoring that we're in a physical body. We're getting in connection with, in a respectful way, the planet that we inhabit. And we're learning her and how to work with her and be in relation with her, the great mother earth. But we also have a foot in connection with the spiritual world, with the unseen realms. And we're learning how to get in connection and right relation with that aspect of our life too. And so that's where the rock star piece comes in. But then there are also a lot of specific earth-based lineage shamanic traditions that a lot of people take oaths. And those are the ways that they adhere to. So for me, it's been a mix of all of it. Mm, So fascinating. So how long have you been a shaman for now? How many years? Uh, More than a decade. Yeah. I mean, time anymore, to be very honest, I very rarely, I'm an incredibly intelligent person, but I very rarely know what day it is, where we're at. So so yeah, it's been many years, more than a decade, but I don't know exactly how. Yeah. I feel the same. You know, I keep saying to my husband, what year is it? What year is it again? Oh yeah. Okay. We're, we're in this month. Okay. I'm just in flow living my life that I forget. And, uh, you know, I often say, Oh, it's Friday. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's Friday. (laughs) It's that day where there was a name called Friday attached to it. We're on that part of the time. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay. So you spoke about a soul retrieval session that you had. Can you explain what that is and what's involved? Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm sure every shaman facilitates it differently, but Oftentimes when we're going through life and and some of the examples that I shared can be case in point for what I'm going to describe, you know, we encounter traumatizing experiences. We have things happen to us that create wounding on, you know, potentially mind, body, spirit, soul levels. So when a shaman, I mean, there's countless different types of rituals and ceremonies that shamans facilitate. But when a shaman is doing specifically soul retrieval, they're able to access into the unseen realms and see at what parts in your trajectory, at what parts on your earth walk were there aspects of your soul that left or you got disconnected from due to trauma or wounding, and they're able to return. They're able to retrieve those soul aspects of you and return them to you so that you are in greater wholeness and fullness and integration with who you really are. And you don't feel as lost and confused. And yeah, you're not feeling as much suffering anymore, essentially. Mm, I love that. Talk to me about inner child healing work. You know, it's something that has been really big on my journey. What does that look like for you? Yeah, that's been a big part of my path. You asking that took me directly to a time I was living in New York City. I'm guessing it was potentially seven, eight years ago, something like that. And I was in a group guided meditation and I was not the facilitator. I was participating in the immersion and the guide, it was, it was specifically to do some, some inner child work. And I'll never forget at one point during this guided healing meditation, I called forward my younger self and she appeared to be about six or seven years old. And when I got face to face with her, you know, I mean, directly in front of my face, eyes to eyes, I'm looking at my six, seven year old 
version of me. And she was just trembling in, in terror and, and in fear, you know, the look in her eyes was, I could tell that on an energetic level, my younger self felt terror inside of her. And I had never really understood until that moment, which was a big medicinal blast for me to see that and to let myself fully acknowledge that that was a part of my childhood because there were a lot of beautiful aspects of my childhood too. And I also wouldn't change a second of it because it's all a part of the divine web that has led me to who I am this day. But yet it was important for that seven-year-old me to be able to be seen in that form and to have me reflect back and look back and think, okay, if that's the primary thing that she needed me to be aware of, where was that terror coming from? I mean, I wish I could express through the camera now the particular look of terror in my own eyes, but I was also trembling, like my body was shaking. And so for me to decode, you know, what was the root behind on an energetic level, me feeling that terror. And a lot of it had to do with pressure. And a lot of it had to do, I feel this is important to speak to. So when I was very young and becoming that athlete and my seer gifts and my shamanic gifts were still online, I had a decision point at that time. I could decide to keep my relationship with God, goddess, and with my spiritual gifts and keep my seer abilities functioning, or I could choose to shut that down and keep my relationship with my dad. But it became very evident that I could not hold both because as a young seer child, I would have been seeing and tuning into way too much with my dad, and it would have created way too much trauma and dysfunction. So I felt I had to make that decision at a very young age to shut down and suppress my connection with the divine in order to maintain the relationship with my father. And that decision point really is a huge informer of how I choose to walk my path now, because now I never allow anything to compromise my relationship to spirit. So I was able to healthily integrate and understand that terror and connect some huge dots. But I also think doing inner child work is a, a really paramount aspect of, of anyone's life experience. <laughs> we all have stuff to heal and integrate. Absolutely. How many people do you think listening right now have suppressed or ignored their inner guidance at least once on their journey? You know, like we've all been there. We've all been there. What is the cost if we continue to suppress that inner guidance? I mean, the cost ultimately can can be everything. I mean, I could rattle off an infinite list. The cost is causing a lot of what I've previously described, all those adjectives I was describing before in my pre-awakening zone of life, the anguish, the suffering, the disconnection, the denial, the illusion. Those are all things that come at cost when you're cutting yourself off from living in tune with your own soul, when you're not in unification with your own soul and you're not in right relation with the entire purpose that you incarnated 
I mean, the list goes on and on. I felt like there were some other things that wanted to come in. Integrity keeps surfacing in. I mean, integrity is everything. When you know that you're living in accordance to and with the instructions of your own heart and your own soul and the higher power system that you work with, again, for me, Great Mother Earth, Great Spirit, when I'm living with and from the instructions of that place, I know that all is well. But when you start to step outside of that, Oh my goodness, that's where it can pull you into that lower spectrum very, very quickly. You start to lose trust in yourself and everything truly starts to feel very confusing and discombobulating. And that's where it start, you start to get to those places in your life where you struggle to sift through things. Like you feel like things are off. You know something just isn't right, but yet you struggle to get clear. You struggle to know what decisions to make. All of that fogginess and distortion is a byproduct of when you get out of alignment with what your intuition is instructing you to do. Yeah. It's never a good idea to suppress your intuition. It's never a good idea. For me, I've been on this journey for 12 years. My awakening happened 12 years ago. And I feel like in my business and in my personal life, I have really tapped into my intuition. My whole business is run off my intuition. My personal life is run off my intuition. And then 13 months ago, I had a baby. And because it was something completely new, there was so much of me that it was so natural and it's just innate within you. And then I would get in my head and look at what everyone else is doing and, you know, go into comparison and lose a little bit of my confidence and not listen to my intuition. And it wasn't until my husband said to me, but you know, Melissa, like, what do you think? What do you want to do with X, Y, and Z? And it was just him saying that one sentence shifted me completely out of looking at what everyone else was doing, how they were feeding their babies, how they were doing this and this. And I came back into my body and I reminded myself that, ah, I know what is right for her because I'm her mother. And I just needed to follow that. But when you try something new, when you're doing something new for the first time, like having a baby for the first time, you can really get pulled and knocked off your center. Wow, that's really powerful. That was a good medicine transmission for me to receive as Luke and I'll just, you know, share in sacred space. We don't talk about it publicly too much, but, you know, we're definitely in a part of our relationship. Thank you for rooting us on. So exciting. Yeah, we're we're definitely in a place of readiness and we've put in, you know, I really want to honor Luke for all that he's been willing to look at and sift through and all that, you know, he's totally devoted to raising consciousness and doing his own healing work, but specifically with the piece of, you know, calling in a child for us to co-create and birth into this world. Like he's put in some, his due diligence and um, yeah, we're at a place of readiness. So I always love now to hear parenting stories and and thank you for sharing what, a little bit about what your experience has been. Oh, babe, you're so welcome. And Nick and I are here for you both. Whenever you need, you just ask us anything and we will share what we've learned along this journey. Now, speaking of Luke, so Luke is your divine husband whom 
I met both of you individually before you got together. And I want to share a little bit about your relationship because this beautiful divine relationship that you have now, it's relatively new. You know, it's still newish. It's, you know, a couple of years. And I want to share about it because there's quite a few people that message me on Instagram and they say to me, I want to meet my soulmate. I'm in my late 30s or I'm in my 40s and I want to meet my soulmate. And I went to LA many years ago and I met Luke and had a beautiful conversation. He's been on my podcast. Nick and I went on his podcast, which is just amazing. And the last time we went, which was two years ago, so I'd met him the year before that in person. And then two years ago, just before COVID, we went and you two had just met. You two had just met. And we went over to his house in Laurel Canyon. And we had, I think, a cup of tea or something. And we're sitting around and we're just having a catch up. And he was telling us about you. And he said that Nick and I were expanders for him in what it's like to have a conscious relationship because the time before he had interviewed us and he said, this is the type of relationship that I want to call in. And so he was sharing about how Nick and I had been expanders for him, how he'd met you and he starts crying. He start. I've got full goosebumps. He starts crying and tears just streaming down his face, talking about how much he loves you. And he was just, and we were just sitting there like soaking up every word. And, you know, he said, it's, it's relatively soon. And I think at this point you were still living in New York and he was like, she's going to move out here and we're going to give it a go. But she's the one. And I know I can say that to you because I'm not sure if you know this, but, and I talk about this in my book, Open Wide and Openly on my podcast and on my social media, but Nick and I got engaged after two weeks of being together and we got married five and a half months later. And this was almost nine years ago now. And so he could say that he felt comfortable saying that to us because he knows, you know, that we have experienced that same type of magnetism very quickly. We just knew, you know, when you know, you know, and that's how Nick and I experienced. That's what we went through at the start and the same sort of thing that you and Luke experienced, which is so beautiful. You're now married. You're now living in Texas together. You're now calling in your baby. You do some work together and you do work on your own. How? How? Did you call him in? Because this is, this is the biggest question that I get from women. How do I call in my soulmate? Yes, I'm so glad we are in these waters. They feel so refreshing and effervescent. And yes, this is also a primary question that I get. They're like, oh, shamanism is great, but how did you, <laughs> how did you get together? Um, yeah. And especially too, you know, it, it's, it's relatable because I'm 43. And so Luke and I, we were friends. That's where it gets really funny. We were friends before for about four years, but it was not the right time for us at all. And when we met, we were both in, and this is one 
one tip that I would share, and I'm not saying this is a prerequisite for everyone. I'm just saying in my path to getting to a place of readiness to align with Luke, I know that this was an important piece. I was in nearly five years of celibacy, and I'm also not saying that it needs to be that long. I didn't plan for it to be that long but it was. And he, so when we met in New York City, he had flown out. We were both speaking at the same consciousness event. We had never met before, but here's a funny little story I don't really ever tell. When I went to post, and it still lives on my Instagram very, very far down many years ago, (laughs) I went to post for this event because it was my speaker graphic, you know, and I thought, oh, let me tag all the other speakers and, you know, give them some love. So I was looking on the list and then finding their handles and tagging. And I'll never forget when I got to Luke's page, there was a quick moment. It was like my soul knew it wasn't time to go too deep into it. But I remember when I saw him, there was a blast and a blast enough that I tagged all the other speakers down the right side of the graphic. And I put his name, tagged him right on my heart's chakra center. And I did it intentionally. There was just something happening. And yeah, after we get done, I'm going to go back and look at it just for another giggle. But um, so, you know, yes, we had known of each other. It was during that trip He was also having some same quick awarenesses, and that's why he invited me to be on his show, The Lifestylist. And it was in that interview where he was interviewing me that for the first time on his show, he cried for the first time because he was having a major heart opening. But again, he was in celibacy. His and he shares about this. I'm not, you know, doing anything not sacred by telling the story, but his celibacy, I think, was about two years and it involved no flirting, like no dates. It was very, very strict. My celibacy was longer, but during that time, I was still exploring and I was never a dater. And I knew part of my path was putting myself out there and learning how to date because I'd always been in those really long term relationships. So as I'm telling this, story, you know, there's also some tips and nuggets built in because I'm, I'm sharing what he and I, some of the things he and I both did to arrive to this place now. So yeah, you know, you just never know, like our story is case in point, the person might be right under your nose and you don't even know it because, you know, in all of these years, these four years of us being friends, we would like when I would fly to LA, we would grab tea and catch up vice versa when he would come to New York. And Another funny little nugget, and then I'll get back to more practical tips, but one of the trips when he came to New York, he asked me, he's like, so what's the latest? And I know this is probably TMI and maybe too graphic, but you know, it's real and it is what it is. But my response to, you know, hey, what's the latest was, and I'll say it in lighter, not so vulgar language, but I was essentially like, my body was getting to a place where I want to be a mom. And I want, I basically said, where I'm at, honestly, is I need sperm and I need to find the correct man with the sperm. And it was like, I was really, my body was activating at this time and it was really growing in this readiness to find my person, you know, connect with them in these intimate ways and start a family. And so that's one of the hilarious you know, hindsight memories is that I was literally telling my future husband, 
exactly what I needed and like planting the seed with him all those years ago. And it ended up being him being the person to provide exactly what I was saying I I needed. It's just, it's hilarious. But back to the practical tips, the main thing I would say that's coming in over and over again is the word sovereignty. And what I mean by that is both Luke and I had devoted ourselves and our lives to inner work and facing ourselves and doing all the necessary healing work. And I mean, that spans, you know, all categories. For me, it was really important to find financial sovereignty within myself before I aligned with a partner. There was just something energetically. I don't want to say that I wanted to prove it to myself, but it was along those lines. It's like, I somehow needed to know that if I needed to take care of myself financially, even living in New York City by myself, some would say the most expensive city in the world, I needed to know that I could do it. So I really needed to gain some sense of mastery on the financial sense. And then, you know, there was all the spiritual work, the years of celibacy that I I shared with you, so much womb clearing, so many years of intense, deep shadow work. And then he, you know, was walking his path and doing his own versions of those things. But for us, what the, the perfect divine alchemy for us was he was devoted to healing, transmuting, facing, transcending, and I was devoted to healing, transcending, facing, transmuting. And it was finally when he had become a whole sovereign being and I had become a whole sovereign being, then universe was like, now it's time. Take off those goggles from both of them. Yeah, you guys have known each other for four years, but guess what? You're supposed to be together. So you know, so many people have messaged us since and say, I knew it when you had her on your show all those years ago, I could tell that you guys are supposed to be together. And it's, it's been a very funny journey. Wow. That's so beautiful. And I can relate so much to that. Nick and I knew each other. We were friends, not really good friends. Like we didn't have cups of tea or anything like that, but we'd see each other at different conscious and spiritual events and we'd say hello. And I always thought he was handsome, but he was in a relationship and I was in a relationship. So there was no more thinking past he's handsome. That's it, full stop. And I thought, oh, he's a good catch. That's that's about it. So we had known each other for about three years before as well. And we were both so devoted to our own inner work. We had both done so much inner work. He even had a practice marriage before me. So he got to learn all of this stuff. So yeah, I think there's a common thread between you and your relationship and my relationship. And that is that you have to be devoted to your own inner transformation, your own healing, your own work. And it's when two whole and sovereign beings come together. That's when magic happens. Like that is magic. And doing a full circle back to the very start, taking responsibility, which you said at the very start of this, taking responsibility for our own healing, our own journey in all areas of our life, for our health. No one else can do it for us. And that doesn't mean that your relationship is exempt from ups and downs. You know, We're not saying that either of our relationships is filled with rainbows and butterflies, but when to hold 
conscious sovereign beings come together, you have the awareness and the tools to move through those bumps with a lot more ease and grace. And, you know, where in the past there would have maybe been some door slamming and some anger and aggression and all of those sorts of things. Now, you know, we can have a loving conversation. doesn't mean I don't feel upset or angry. I feel all of those things sometimes. And we have the tools. And that's what I talk about in Open Wide. So I love that you shared that. I love that you two have found each other. I adore you two so much together and individually. And I'm just so happy for this next chapter for you as well. So feel free to hit me up with any questions. Okay. I'm going to remember that. Yeah. Cause you know, you know, he's 51 and I'm 43 and yet it's in some ways we're like two teenagers, like trying to learn how to get pregnant. We're like, wait, you know, I mean, it has been a steep learning curve. We, we thought we could just, you know, he could share his sacred sperm with me at any day of the month and we would just be good to go. And we learned very quickly, oh, there's like an actual formula and you need to track when you're ovulating. So we've had a lot of bumps and laughs along the way where we're just like, how did we get to this age? And we're so wise, yet we didn't know that there's like two days out of the month when you can get pregnant. So anyways, yeah, it's been fun. I love that so much. Actually, on that same day where we're sitting in his lounge room in Laurel Canyon and he's crying, uh, we stayed for hours as we do. Whenever I'm in LA, I stay at Luke's house for hours and we look at all the biohacking things and we do all of the fun things. It's awesome. I remember one night, I think I was there past midnight and then I was like, okay, I really need to go home now. I need to go home. But that's just what happens. We just drop in and we have such great conversations. But after that, we were chatting about our podcasts and he said, you know, I'm going to hit you up one day when Alison and I want to make a baby. And I was like, wow. And he said this to me then. So this this is before you'd even moved to LA. So I'm going to have to remind him of this. Yeah. So he was like, you know, I will have to do physical work. I'm going to do the emotional work. So he said that back then. He's like, I'm going to do the physical. I'm going to do the emotional. Because at that time, I think we would had just started on our conscious conception journey. So we did, before we called in our baby, we did a lot of physical cleansing and detoxing. And then we also did a lot of emotional work too for a long time. And I'm so glad I did because it allowed me to be the mum that I am now. So yeah, it's awesome. And I'm so excited for you guys. Thank you. I look forward to you guys. When you come to Austin, you can come to our new house and it is biohacking paradise galore. I'm sure there's even more tools and gadgets than the last time you're here. And now there's a bonus ceremony shamanic zone. So now you will have all of it all in one. And the last little thing that I just want to share that was coming in and, and listening to myself and listening to you is just like, How amazing is it that we are both in these sacred relationships where it's a safe space to be in the fullness and the fullness of who we are? Because as you were sharing, you know, it's not like we don't have things that we disagree on, or it's not like waves of anger, you know, those things are present. It's just the space, the container that it's all being held in and the safety that we have with our partners those are two of the many pieces that make it so special and so divine. It's like, that was at the top of my list when I was tuning into like, 
especially after the all the tumultuousness that I had been in. And I really got to a place where I wasn't sure if I would ever find my person. And that, I'll just say, side stamp little other tip, I got to a place where I loved myself enough and loved my company and being alone enough that I thought, you know, I thought this was going to be a part of my life experience. I thought I had visions of being with a partner, but if that is not for me, I'm going to be good. And I think, you know, getting to that place of peace within me was another important step along the way. But at the top of my list and, and calling someone in was just in being a medicine woman and, and being a human and being a shaman and as multifaceted and multidimensional as I am, I needed someone who could hold a strong, safe space for me to be, feel free and liberated to be in my full expression at any time that I needed to be, whatever that expression looked like. And Luke has held that container impeccably the entire time. And it's like, yeah, sometimes I my inner child likes and needs to get a little pouty sometimes. I think maybe she wasn't able to do that when she was little. And so I'm very consciously aware when I'm just in that I need to be pouty outlet. And he's also consciously aware, oh, she's in that pouty. She needs to have that pouty outlet. I allow myself the freedom and space to have a little bit of a zone of that pouty outlet. And he lets me have that too. And then it's done. And then we laugh. And I'm like, I just needed to be pouting. He's like, I know, sweetie. And so I just, you know, just wanted to speak to the beauty and the magnificence and power of being in a safe, healthy container. Yes, absolutely. Because there's a lot of people that aren't in that. And I want to say that you are worthy of that. We are all worthy of that beautiful, sacred, divine container where we feel like we can be the fullest expression of ourselves. And another thing that you just said that I remembered from before I got with Nick is Nick and I were both at that place before we got together where we were so whole and complete on our own. And we loved being us. Like I loved myself for the first time in my life. I loved myself and I had never experienced that before. Well, yes, I came into this world loving myself and then I forgot. And so I had remembered again. I remembered what it felt like to love myself. And it was a really beautiful time in my life. And my energy was expansive and I was radiating out. And Nick over here was doing the same. And we were just a magnet for each other. It was just so beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. Now, I do want to talk about your incredible book, Power Animals. Tell me about your book. Tell me about Power Animals. What is it? And how is this different to Spirit Animals? Yes. So this book, oh my goodness. And as you are a many time author, I know you fully get what a journey. I mean, whoa, I have done a lot of things in my life, in my career. I have accomplished a lot, but the book journey, woo, it takes the cake in a lot of categories. It is not for the faint of heart. So worth it. And of course, as soon as I'm done and get through it, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to make another card deck. I'm ready to make another book. But while I was doing it, I was like, oh my Lord. So the interesting thing was, I think it's just helpful to share for so many people out there that might want to become an author, just to honestly let them know I was taking meetings with literary agents and publishers for years in New York City regularly, and I could not get clear on what the darn first book should be. And 
that was very confusing for me because I've always been a writer. I've known from the time I was little, I would be an author. And now I'm in my calling. Now I'm in alignment with who I really am. And I could not figure out what to write about. This went on for three or four years. Then I finally landed with the the right literary agent team. And in a meeting with them, I was sure that I landed on it. And it's the theme that we have talked about a lot today. I was going to write my first book on surrender. It was going to, the working title was Soul Surrender. And I was going to start to teach people how to enter in through the gateways into the spiritual path. And I flew off to Bali to write my Soul Surrender book. So excited, so relieved that I had gotten clarity. And it was in my first morning meditation in Bali. And I, you've, you've been there, I'm sure, many times. And so you know, it's just like heaven literally anchored on earth there. And the, the veils are very thin. There's nonstop 24-7 rituals and prayers going on. It's one of my favorite places on earth. And so my ability to connect is, is oftentimes even more potent there. And in my first morning meditation, the second I close my eyes, power animal guides as far as my mind's eye could see, hundreds if not thousands of them all came in and they said to me, that book that you think you're writing, that's a nice idea, but that's not it. And it was actually the power animals that came to me and asked me to co-create this book with them. And so I just love to share that because again, it's like, it also helps people to understand the place from which I do my work, how my devotion to my calling and the instructions and the way I walk the path works. And also the foundation from which this book was formed from, it was the animals really, you know, their idea. I put in all the, the hard work to get it birthed, but they came to me. So essentially the title is Animal Power, 100 Animals to Energize Your Life and Awaken Your Soul. And it's a modern day power animal guidebook. It features 100 different animals. Every single creature on this planet embodies different healing attributes, different wisdom teachings. They all have different supportive messages for us. And so in working with this book, and I use it as a divination tool, you can use it in all sorts of ways. If you know you constantly are seeing a raccoon in your yard, crossing your path, you turn on the TV, there's a raccoon on the TV. You then are like, okay, clearly the raccoon is showing up a lot for me. What is it trying to get my attention? What's the reason? You can go to the book for that. I use it as a divination tool. I, you know, lift the book to my heart center. I close my eyes. I ask the power animal who wishes to most support me for that day to come in. And then I just intuitively flip to the page, but you will start to learn. It's a reference guidebook. You will start to understand what each animal represents and, and how they can come in to help you. And just a couple quick examples when I was first having my awakening, remember I said it was the animals who came in as my first spiritual allies. And in that soul retrieval, I learned my core power animal, which is the animal assigned to you for your entire life, your main supporter animal, your core animal. Mine is the black jaguar. And then I had three helper animals at that time to help get me through that initial awakening. And those were bear, deer, and frog. Bear taught me how to surrender, to let go into spiritual support. It came to me in meditations. The frog instructed me to take healing baths with crystals and oils and to just sit in the bath. I can't tell you how many I took where I just let myself cry, go into the emotional healing, clearing toxicity, also taking leaps of faith and only leaping forward. Frogs never leap backwards. And that was the medicine I needed to not enter back into that cycle like I had been for almost 20 years. And then deer is the medicine in the path of the heart. 
So the deer has been an, a power animal ally who has stayed with me for more than a decade and played a huge role in Luke and I getting together. And she taught me over that decade to not shut my heart down as much as sometimes I might have wanted to, to not potentially experience like that level of hurt and anguish and pain and betrayal again. But she walked next to me and never let me close down my heart and taught me how to keep it open and to heal it. So those are just some quick examples of some of the many infinite ways that we can work with them and how they can help guide us. So yeah, I don't know. I forget what else what else you asked, but that's a little bit of I just get so passionate about it because I worked on this book in total for about eight years. And the card deck comes out in August. It's got the snail friend on the side, the leopard on the front, the snake. I love the macaws and then our little uh, jellyfish on this side. So the deck is soon to be out. And I just poured my heart and soul into it. So I'm really proud of both of them. And the book, because I've just got the book. I don't have the deck, but I definitely want the deck. I'm going to get that for sure. But the book is so beautiful. It is like the most beautiful coffee table book. It's a book that you will want out. It's so beautiful. So I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for creating it. And I'm going to use it the same sort of way that you do where I hold it up to my heart and I'm just going to open up a page. So thank you for writing it. Thank you for creating it. Thank you for being the vessel. I will link to it in the show notes and I want to encourage everyone to go and check it out. I have a few more questions for you, my love. What is your definition of success and what do you attribute your success to? Okay. I never like to regurgitate answers. Let me just tune in, see what wants to come through today. My definition of success. So many things were coming in all at one time. So I'll try to decipher it. Joy came in, inner peace came in, integrity came in, the reminder that we're all forever students. And there's just something that opens up and, and lends more of a permission air and more of a, of a liberated space when we can remember and remind ourselves that we're on the infinite evolutionary path. I think it just helps to lighten the load and not take things so seriously. And just remember that we didn't incarnate here to be quote unquote perfect. I don't even know what perfect means anymore. Like, I don't even know what that word is supposed to mean or the definition. It's like, we're literally here to, you know, be fumbly at times and to own up to things and to grow and evolve. And so I know this is not a very clear, concise answer, but when I was tuning in, it was literally like all those things just went like, zoom, you know, and I am at a time where so much is changing in my life. Like, I mean, one small example, I'm, I'm learning now at 43 to play guitar and I'm having so much fun. And Luke is actually an incredibly gifted guitar player. He used to be in bands. And so he gave me my first lesson. I now have another medicine woman teaching me, but before I, right before I jumped on, he and I, you know, we're both up here in our loft ceremony space with our guitars. And just, I was making up this song about our dog, Cookie. She loves to hold her nose. And I was like, my first song ever was about Cookie holding her nose. And it was just hilarious. So I'm just really at a place in my life where I'm inviting in more play and more lightness and more joy. Like I have, and I continue to do shadow work. It's not like I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm done with that. It's like I always invite the lessons and teachings in, but I've put in so many years of deep, intense work. 
I don't feel I need to prove to myself and I have no desire to try to prove to anyone else that I'm powerful, that I'm a shaman, that I'm wise. It's like that's all embodied in me. And so I guess my definition, this is a 10 minute answer to get to my definition of success right now is like playing guitar and having more fun. (laughs) Oh, I love that so much. Let's pretend now you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world besides your book, which let's pretend is already in there. Right. (laughs) What is one book you would choose? Oh my goodness. So interesting. Book questions are always pretty challenging for me. And I used to be such a voracious reader. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of books. And that was really all that I would spend my spare time doing was reading books. And then I entered into a phase a number of years ago where I just, I stopped reading books. And so book questions now are always tough for me because I don't have one that's like top of mind in terms of feeling really impactful. Um, so I'll just share. I love Pema Chodron's work. I, I mean, I think you cannot go wrong with her. So I would vote any of her books. And, you know, I also enjoy Paul Selig in his his channeling. And I think his books are encoded with some really beautiful energetics and, and transmissions. But overall, let's go with Pema. Yes, my vote is for her. Any one of her books. Beautiful. Let's talk about your day. How does your day look? I know that you and Luke probably have a million biohacking cool things that you do. So can you talk us through a typical day in your life? I know no two days are ever the same, but talk us through a typical day from morning when you wake up to when you go to bed and all of your routines and rituals and everything. Oh my Lord. I know I'm going to forget something and whatever, but yeah, let's do a rough, rough version. So my love language is touch. So there are about a trillion moments in each day where I am going to sit on his lap, where I'm going to ask for a hug. And he knows me so well by now. Oftentimes now he'll just come to me and he's like, is it time for a hug? So we start our day with what we call touches. I need my touches. So yeah, before we even get out of bed, we're doing some some snuggling and some some cuddling. And I love to like hold his head on my chest and just, I don't know. I just, I love to be nurturing to him and to see him allow himself to be in a space to be like held and loved. It's always so beautiful and tender to me. So that's the beginning of the day. Before I get out of bed, I can honestly say, I do a tune-in. I do a check-in. Before I get on my phone, I typically place my left hand on my heart, my right hand on my lower belly. My eyes are closed. And I check in. I ask my heart, you know, how are you doing today? How are you feeling today? Is there anything that you want me to know? I obviously give space for the answers to come in. And I do the same thing. I ask my emotional field that. I ask my physical body that. I ask my soul that, and I ask my spirit that. And I'm telling you, that can really be a game changer if before you even get out of bed, you are getting in relation to all aspects of your being and you're getting in unification with your own soul and heart. And you're just seeing like, was there stuff carried over from yesterday? You know, last night I had a, I'm being honest, I had a dream. I had struggled to go to sleep and my entire dream had Kanye West in it. 
I don't know what was going on, but like I woke up, I was like, what? And you know, sometimes you just wake up in a funk. So in getting in communication with these aspects of yourself, it can clarify your field and, and help you to start your day from a place of clarity. Then we do now have in this home a beautiful bathroom. I don't really start my day, but I do take now regular baths. We have this Japanese soaking tub. So I got pulled into that. I felt like I wanted to speak to that. It's massive. It's beautiful. There's a potential that maybe I will be birthing in that tub when we're pregnant and ready to birth. So I do now spend a lot of healing time in there, in the bathroom. Luke, we start our days very differently. I wake up ready to go, charge. I'm excited. I'm full of energy. I'm ready to talk. He is not. (laughs) That is exactly like us. I am you and Nick is the same as Luke. Really? Yes. Same with Nick. That's so funny. Yeah. He needs many hours. Like I'll feel things that I want to ask or say, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to wait three more hours. He's not ready for me to ask this yet. So I have to like bookmark all my questions. But he, uh, the other thing I'll share is we're very different in terms of being meditators. Luke loves long meditations. He loves the Joe Dispenza route. And I love Joe Dispenza too, but I prefer to come up to the ceremony space in our loft room. I have my altar. I have all my shamanic tools. I mean, it's like a shamanic paradise. I sit on my reindeer rug from Finland in front of my altar. And I just let my intuition guide me in terms of what tool to reach for. I connect into great mother earth, my heart and great spirit. So I do my own rituals, but Luke is off meditating for hours in the morning. He also, um, do you guys have the amp coil? We don't, but I know what it is. Okay. I'm like, I figured you had it. We both use that. It, it's been cool, you know, when us coming together in partnership and I'll wind my answer down. Cause I, again, I know it's long, but it's been really beautiful for me because I've always seen and known Luke as like a spiritual teacher. And as this wise man, like that's how I've always seen and known him. But I know he has this biohacking immense library of knowledge too. So I've just been able to experiment with so many devices that had I not been with Luke, I I never would have gotten on my own or learned about. So it's been cool to see and for him to watch which ones resonate with me and which don't. But I do love the amp coil. I do love to start my day with tea. We also drink hydro shots. I don't know if you guys have them over there in Australia, but we start our day with some sort of healthy beverage. He's also been fresh juicing organic orange juice and we make adrenal elixirs. I forget the exact name we call them, but it's part coconut water, part orange juice and some salt. So sometimes we start with that. And then it's after my morning ritual time that then I'll usually have some fruit or a bite to eat. And yeah, we oftentimes both work from home and I'm the kind of person I really love to have balance. Like I might be recording a podcast for my ceremony circle podcast, but then like I'll take the dog for a walk or we do have a pool here. I'll I'll go out and go in the pool and he might go in the cold plunge. And so essentially the the picture I'm trying to paint is that to me feels like a very balanced and enriching flow of life that we have that very much allows us to handle our career and our brands and our business and our projects. But like I said before, I'm really at a place where I'm opening up to a lot of new. And so I'm feeling called right now to create a lot more simplicity, a lot more breath and space in my calendar. So I'm personally opening things up 
and making room for more life things like guitar more than career. Whereas Luke right now, he's working on getting his book proposal done to get into his book mode. And he's really into, into career. I could go on and on, but you get the point, I think. <laughs> beautiful. Thank you for sharing that little snippet of your day. It's really beautiful. Okay. I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? I mean, it took me again to heart, but I had already said heart, which is why I'm seeing if anything else will come in. Honestly, I'm going to keep it real. Go on a shamanic journey and it doesn't have to be hard. I, of course, recommend you go on a shamanic journey with a trusted shaman. But if you don't know who that trusted shaman is, if you have not worked with the shaman yet, you can truly go to my website. I have a free uh, guided shamanic journey that I facilitate with my drum. But I'm telling you from an overall health point of view, first thing that honestly comes to mind is going on a shamanic journey. Mm, I'm going to link to that in the show notes and I'm going to definitely check that out. What is one thing that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in every area of our life. Mm, be open and willing to let old identities and constructs and patterns go. You know, as I was being more led and guided into this space of parenthood and becoming a mother, I could have clung really, really tightly to my successful career and, and been like, no, I need to keep doing ceremonies and giving talks. I, I could have not let myself be led and guided over to where my own soul and spirit is trying to lead and guide me over. And that may involve a lot of primary archetypes moving to the side or completely going away and making space for new archetypes and new ways of experiencing life to come in. But yeah, I think the key in allowing new and greater space is you have to be willing to let aspects of your ego and old patterns and old identities completely crumble away and trust yourself, hold the line and find the new way moving forward. Beautiful. And what's one of the most important things that we can do for more love in our life? More love. It took me to, I mean, this is just one of many possibilities, but it took me to mirror work, believe it or not. Such a simple and quick yet empowering practice in understanding yourself and connecting with your own soul and meeting yourself where you need to be met is truly letting yourself look into your own soul and into your own eyes in the mirror. And it can be pretty darn trippy. Like, you know, how many times do we step up to a mirror? You know, probably a lot in one day, but how many times are you actually stopping and actually looking at your own eyes and truly connecting with yourself in that mirror? So for some reason, that's quite an unexpected answer to come in. But I would recommend for anyone that this is resonating with to do that as soon as this interview wraps and to maybe start each day going to the mirror and just connecting with your own self. And perhaps a dialogue will begin or perhaps awarenesses will reveal in that. I've done a lot of mirror work along my journey and it's very powerful. So I highly recommend that. Alison, goddess, this has been so amazing. Is there anything else that you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you wanted to talk about? 
Well, Cookie joined us. She's now here with one ear flapped back and one ear down. Did you hear me talking about you and how I made a guitar song for you? She's just the biggest sweetheart. I love her so much. Luke rescued her, but wow, she follows me everywhere in this house. And yesterday he's like, I think Cookie actually likes you more now. It's like, I think she does. Anyways, aside from Cookie and my love for her and my love for my cat, what I would like to say is, and this show, maybe it won't air for a little while, but where we sit right now, it's a time of big breakthroughs. Of course, we can experience breakthroughs at any time, but right now there's really this big invitation for us to go deeper within ourselves than ever before and really get to the bottom of what feels right for me now and really asking your heart and your soul some questions that you haven't maybe asked in a long time because the vision that's been coming in this week is is a threshold. And I feel like most people right now are just on the other side of crossing a major threshold in their life experience that will open them up to miracles beyond what they could have ever imagined. So if you're resonating with that and, and feeling that, don't shy away right now. Now is an invitation to lean in, to do the self-inquiry, and to allow yourself to cross a threshold into some unknown worlds and have some big breakthroughs. So that's the last random nugget. And yeah, I hope that for anyone that wants to learn how to work with power animals, you can get it anywhere books are sold and you can get the free shamanic journey when you head to my website. I love that. This has been so beautiful. I have literally a million more questions I want to ask you. I think we need another seven days, but maybe Nick and I will just have to, and Bambi, we'll have to fly to Texas and sit with you guys and just experience all of your amazingness in person. And I've had so many of my soul family move from LA to Texas. So I think I'm definitely going to be out there soon. I feel so called. I love all of my soul family there and in LA. So it may happen. But I want to, before I go, I want to personally thank you for not only sharing so beautifully and openly and honestly today, but for all the work that you do in the world. You are such a goddess. You are giving, you are serving, you are supporting, you are helping so many people. So thank you. And I want to know what I personally and the listeners can do to give back and serve you. How can we serve you today? Oh, Melissa, that was so beautiful. I was just closing my eyes and letting my heart fully receive that. Thank you for that honoring acknowledgement. Thank you so much. I have definitely dug a lot of trenches and, um, carried a lot on my back. So thank you so much for those kind words. I receive them fully. The thing that came in, you know, for anyone that already has Animal Power book or is getting it, it's so helpful for me to get feedback from you all. And I love, you know, seeing how it's transforming your lives, how you're working with it. So if you feel compelled to share a review and just express how it's positively impacting you or your life. That really was the first thing that came in. You know, I hope to be able to make more books that are of service for all of humanity and for this world. And, you know, a small task like that can really help me continue on the book journey. So yeah, just sharing your positive experiences in book reviews, wherever you got it or, or sharing with me and letting me know. 
Mm, We will definitely do that. And we'll link to all of your amazingness in the show notes so people can go and follow you on Instagram. They can go to your website. They can get your books. They can listen to your podcast, all of the above. Everything will be in the show notes. Alison, this has been such an honor. This has been such a gift. I have loved connecting with you so much and wish I could just give you a big squeeze right now. Thank you, my darling, for being here, for sharing and for all of your wisdom. I'm so grateful. Likewise, thank you so much for the invitation and thank you so much for having me. Hey fam, I want to thank you again for tuning in and sitting by the fire with us. I have truly poured my whole heart and soul into setting a safe and authentic ceremony space for you in every single Ceremony Circle podcast episode. And as we are now more than 65 episodes in, if any one of these shows has uplifted you, benefited you, inspired you, taught you something new, I would greatly appreciate with all of my heart you taking the 10 seconds it takes to positively rate Ceremony Circle on Apple and Spotify podcasts, and even share a sentence about why you've been enjoying it so much in the reviews. I really believe in the sacred practice of reciprocity, and as I have given so much these last two seasons, I deeply appreciate feeling some love sent back my way so I can keep this valuable, transformational content coming to you for many seasons to come. Much love.